we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, a podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. You notice, you notice I'm sort of fumbling over my words this morning, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I got sunburn on my lips. <laughs> what? Yes. Yeah. So my lips burn a little bit, and now it's starting to crack. You yeah. need that Burt's Bees, my friend. And I've been putting all kinds of ointment and different types of things that's not working, but um, <laughs> I got to keep them moist, and so I, I sort of talk like, because <laughs> I don't like them to connect because it hurts. Well, so to I'm be just fair, gonna... I didn't notice. Oh, but I that I... is a fascinating tidbit. <laughs> and now I can't stop <laughs> trying to. You can't tell, can you? I don't think so. No, good. Thanks. Appreciate it. She's got a little tan going there. <laughs> My lips are tan. Anywho, <laughs> welcome. welcome. To, yeah, episode two of season four. <laughs> Starting off with a bang. Out. See, even that hurts a little bit. Anywho, what are we going to get into today? You tell me, my friend. Okay, good, good. I I got something. Now, every once in a while, when it comes to, you know, the content from week to week that we decide upon, um, mm-hmm. really, it's we sort of field by way of a little survey. We did this at the end of season three. Yeah. I really, you know, wanting to hear from what do we, what do you want to, us to talk about what are the interested topics therein, um, and then some that really, you know, you and I just sort of surface by way of when we're talking, yeah. conversating, like the last one, the the true crime one. Absolutely, nobody sent that one in. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, wherein sometimes I really sort of maybe get a burr, if you will, under my old saddle. And I want to talk about something that's near and dear or that I'm thinking through yeah. by way of maybe my pastoral lens or just something that um, I've recently read, what have you. This would be one of those episodes. Yeah. And I always enjoy those episodes. Oh, I very much appreciate that. So like we talked about Imago dialogue. Yeah, that, that, that was, was something that you were working through and currently feeling very burdened and passionate about. Absolutely. And I found it quite helpful. Yes. Um, and this would be one that as of recent, just to tip my hand a little bit, Beck would probably not approve of this, but nope. I've been working on a new book project. Okay. And you heard it here first. <laughs> Simplicity. There you go. See, the inside scoop. That's why you tune in. But this is something that I believe is what I would call a now word. Like mm. this is, is something that I'm wrestling through that I believe people should sort of work through. And I'll, I'll set it up like this. I think that when it comes to those that claim the name of Jesus, meaning they've surrendered their life to his lordship, they understand where their marching orders come from, they understand the incredible inheritance of now our newfound salvation, our sonship, our daughtership, our eternal hope that lies before us. That changes the way that you see things and that you think about things. First and foremost, our theology is a heart matter. It really converts, number one, we become dead to sin, alive to Christ. No longer do we live according to the flesh, but now we're led by the Holy Spirit. 
that guides us and teaches us and directs us and shows and reveals certain things to us, all according to Scripture. And so there's a mentality change that takes place, obviously by the way that we think, even at times the way we feel. But then I really believe that the true telltale of the believer that is being sanctified, there's a lifestyle change. Hmm. That, that there's a very visible and sort of um, tangible lifestyle shift in the life of the believer. And so at times, at times, we... We, we can talk about theology and we can talk about, you know, biblical doctrine, and yet we're a little adverse to making it overly practical. Mm-hmm. Where I stand in contrast to that, because I believe one of the beautiful things, especially found in the life teachings and gospels that captured the life of Jesus, is that he really commended a very practical lifestyle change. Mm as did the Apostle Paul, any of the New Testament writers for that matter. You could argue the whole of Scripture spoke to a lifestyle shift, meaning you should see it. Yeah. You should see, uh, you know, as Jesus so, you know, surmised and coined, said, you'll know my disciples by a lifestyle, by their love one for another. Mm-hmm. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. You're going you're gonna to feel it. They're going to have a whole lot of love for those around them, especially those that are in the family of God with them. So I, I think that there's a lifestyle shift. Yet at times, there's specific lifestyle shifts that I think go woefully undervalued. Okay. Like, like we, we talk a lot about you should love your neighbor. We talk a lot about we should forgive those that hurt you. We talk a lot about let your words be seasoned with grace, but yet at the same time truthful. We talk about, but sometimes there are subtleties that I think are so pronounced that they stand out like, like stark in a, in, a, in a culture like the one we live in. Hmm. This episode, that was, a, that was quite the setup, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> You're looking at me like this. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> Because I'm so enthralled. <laughs> so Paul writes a little letter to the, thir- to the church at Thessalonica, and he makes this profound statement because he was talking largely through this first letter to them about order and about certain conducts and about a life that pleases God. And then he gets to the 11th verse in the fourth chapter. Feel the crescendo. Now here it comes. Our pastor's coming out. <laughs> here it comes. And he says this. Now I'm going to read it to you in the Good News translation. Okay. Other translations will have a varying of words. But this, this translation says this. Make it your aim. Some translations will say make it your priority. But your aim, to make something your aim would infer there's got to be a target that you're heading for. This should be the target. This then creates the guardrails because that's when you know you're on the right path. So make it your aim to hit this target. Okay. To live a quiet life. Mm. To mind your own business. Mm. To mind your own business. (laughs) To, listen to this, to earn your own 
living. Yeah. It's major. Just as we told you before. So obviously Paul now is going to refer back to not using the specific words that he just used in verse 11, but he's going to refer back to even when he spoke to the Corinthians, even when he spoke to those in Philippi. He's going to say, I've, I've shown you this and I've told you this. I've lived this and I've commended this. This is nothing new. Live a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your own hands. This is, this is what he says. In this way, you will win the respect of those who are not believers mm -hmm. and you will not have to depend on anyone for what you need. What Paul just said is that there should be a lifestyle shift in the follower of G Jesus that looks like this. Quietness, staying in your own lane and working hard, not milking the system, not being lazy, but living a life that's a testimony to those that don't believe in Jesus yet. He said, that is a rich testimony. Yeah. I want to contrast that to the culture we currently live. Ooh. So those three areas. Though. Those three areas. Okay. So, so at face value, I could say in 2023, and now, now for, for all intents and purposes, this is focused largely towards my family members. So I'm not talking about the world. Church. I'm not talking about those that don't follow Jesus. Okay, okay. These are my people. These are my brothers and sisters on the way to the celestial city. Yeah. Come on, somebody. That are all journeying together. We are so freaking loud. Yeah. We are in everybody else's business but our own. And we are lazy to the point that we actually feel justified in doing the bare minimum, but expecting the maximum result. And yet, and yet, we've reduced our testimony largely to a whole bunch of talk yeah. and a whole bunch of jargon and a whole bunch of noise. And then we wonder, why doesn't the world respect us? Mm-hmm. Now, there's an aspect of the world that will never respect us because the dark hates the light. I get it. I get it. We don't need to make it easier for them, though. We don't need... Well said, friend. We are making it so easy because we are so loud. Mm -hmm. We are all up in everybody else's business, and yet we have lost the value of work ethic. Okay. This is why Paul says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as under the Lord. Not for earthly masters. It's not even for your employer. It's that you are a representative and an ambassador to me. Work for me if you don't like them so that your testimony stays intact. But first and foremost, I want to break this into three parts, our little chit-chat. Okay. First is, I just want, I, I feel like there should be an incentive in the believer that we've lost, that we've lost to understand the value of quietness. Mm -hmm. Like if there is ever a day where less is more, it's right now. Mm. I mean, just so, so can I, let me ask you a question. And this is a genuine question. Okay. You're in the church world. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine if I was to look at your for you page, I'm, 
I'm thinking the best about you right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but if I was to go to your for you, I would imagine you being, hey, you're, you're the campus director. I like to call you the campus pastor here, little pastor. Well, not yet. I, I can say whatever I want in my words. <laughs> you can. So, so when I, when I, when you're in, this is, this is your sphere or world, and that be ministry, I imagine that you follow a lot of different various voices and ministers. Yep. Is it just me or has the impact of our words lost their weight because they're so frequent and so many? Do you ever, do you flip through your reel and be like, wow, that was, that was, that was incredible. And, and that's genuine. I'm not leading you. Mm -hmm. And so if that's actually going to be opposite of what I suppose or think, be truthful. <laughs> be truthful, shame the devil. No, I would say um, I think it is so loud and there are so many people. I've actually tried to follow fewer huh? just because there's so many different opinions. There's so much noise that I'm, I'm, I get overwhelmed by it. Right. So I, I'll, I'll maybe pick a few that I value or I respect or I find weight in their words sure and then i'll try to focus in on okay these are the voices that i'll listen to because otherwise it's overwhelming and i can't handle it absolutely and I, I i think that not only is it loud by volume like now when i speak about volume like i want to speak specifically to decibels actually i just read in the in the um national institute of health they said that there is a direct correlation to anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation that is directly correlated to urban noise pollution, to just how often your ears are intaking volume, volume of people chattering in, in dense workplaces, volume wow. of automobiles coming and going, volume of construction that's going on that that we are mindless to totally get it we live we live in a in a densely populated area but what what's happening is is that you were created i believe we were created designed by god that there is an a gross imbalance in the amount of quietness that we actually need mm. Not just, not just, and I'm not talking about Sabbath. That's, that's another layer to this. I'm talking about just quiet. Quiet of not, there not being interaction. Quiet of us not having to use our voice. Quiet of us being able to sit in stillness. Quietness of us being in the, in the confines of our own four walls and not needing to turn on a television, a phone, a device, um, you know, a speaker just sitting in quiet. That's one aspect. But it's not only just volume by way of decibels, it's volume by way of frequency. Hmm. Like we are constantly inundated with our eyes capturing images, listening to, to voices, uh, speaking, you know, recording videos, what have you. When Paul said, Make it your aim to lead a quiet life. He was, he was speaking about both output and intake. Like, don't, hmm. don't talk so much. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that said, be slow to speak, yeah. quick to listen. But don't talk so much. Don't, 
don't feel like you got to record every every thought you have this is going to be offensive <laughs> every thought you have is not for mass consumption mm -hmm. because the truth is many of those thoughts that you're putting out for mass consumption they're not even your thoughts mm. so shut up what do you mean they're, they're not even your they're, thoughts? You're, you're just recycling somebody else's material mm. because you don't know how not to talk. Mm. And you got to solicit and garner attention because this is the compulsive pattern that you've fell on, fallen into. That is anything but a quiet life. Mm. Just shut up and be quiet and find the value for your soul in it. Mm-hmm. Second, stop listening to so much. You don't have to turn the device on. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. If you got a radio in the car, it, it, it's not mandatory that you turn it on. Mm -hmm. Did you know that, Beck? <laughs> <laughs> hey, just because you have a device that, yeah, they sold you under the premise of, yeah, it's a smartphone and you can make phone calls with it, but actually that's just a little subsidiary of it. You don't have to thumb through it. Why? Because it's making you sick. Yeah, and if I can just jump off of that, you recall when we, we did a staff retreat um, a couple of years ago, I guess, and one of the practices oh. that we were led through mm. was practicing quiet. Right. And we, we left our phones and we went to, you know, a certain spot on the campus. And I believe we just sat there in silence for approximately 30 minutes, something like that. It might have even been less. But right. it was so refreshing mm. to the point that several staff members were brought to tears. <laughs> That's right. Brought dudes. to tears That's from 30 right. minutes of silence. Yep. And that speaks to how, how connected we are to the noise and to listening to stuff constantly. Totally. You know, one of the reasons that we hate being quiet is because then we got to deal with ourselves. Mm. And that's our own inner voice, our own inner narrative, our own inner fears, our own inner in insecurities. I get it. I get it. But you are healthier to deal with them, having had to deal with them, than you are preoccupying yourself so you don't have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Noise is killing us. Actually, there was a study about all the soldiers that came home from, from desert storm on. So this is during George H. Bush, you know, campaign. This is uh, George W. So this was desert storm was the first invasion of the Middle East. And then there was the aftermath of what was um, the 9-11 you know, travesty. And so then we, it was Fallujah, the shock and awe campaign. The soldiers that came home from the Afghan war, Saudi Arabia, what have you, from Desert Storm on, the PTSD, the PTSD claims and therapy needed and trauma that took place or, or cases that were grossly outweighed those from even the Korean War, mm. Vietnam, most certainly World War II, uh, because of one, one finding, and that was in the journey back from overseas, it was found to be that those in the previous wars were able to sit on whether it was carrier decks, 
the destroyers, or in transit with no preoccupied device. Hmm. So they were able just to mentally process all that they witnessed, they saw, the trauma that they underwent, but they had time in the quiet to deal with it. So by the time they got on American soil, they had done the mental and emotional work to calibrate to all that they had been through. Not to say that they didn't need therapists and yeah. other counselors to help them. But what took place in the Afghan war and in, in the af aftermath was that everybody in route home were busy thumbing their devices, keeping them preoccupied so they didn't have to deal with whether it was the trauma they saw or the death that they witnessed, yada, yada, yada. And so they came home only to realize they never wrung out, as some therapists would coin the term. They were never able to empty themselves out and do the mental work that needed. When you think of, when you think of even the Old Testament, when God would call the, tri the nation of Israel to invade, whether it was the Hittites or the Jebusites, and he say, I want you to lay waste to everyone. I understand that there was probably a protective covering of the Holy Spirit that kept those hmm. men's minds sane, but they watched women and children and animals and the like be slaughtered. I've often wondered, how could they come home and not have mental trauma at all of the bloodshed that they underwent? I think a lot of it was resolved in the quiet is that they did not have somebody chattering in their voice or a device that kept them preoccupied. It was them and Jesus, and they were mentally and emotionally stronger for it. All I'm saying is, I'm saying a lot. What I'm saying is, is this idea of make it your aim to lead a quiet life means show more, talk less, both in output and intake. And I believe more now than ever, this is a lifestyle principle that the world is desperate to see and that our souls severely crave. Yeah. You know, in Teen Challenge, so when I was in, in, in this program, there was certain days during the month that it was called mandatory talk fast. So you weren't allowed to talk. Oh, so, so it was a talk fast. So it was- I interpreted that the other way. Hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> it's like, what? What is the purpose like, of that? It's like an auctioneer. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was a talk fest. So the whole campus, this was in Rearsburg, Pennsylvania, the whole campus, and there was 300 men on this mountain that was in the second phase of this drug rehabilitation program. The whole campus was quiet. And here's what was fascinating. Here is what was fascinating, is that you were, you, were, you were to be quiet from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. And so um, that day was tailored in such a way that you didn't need to interface with anybody to ask for something or be instructed with anything. Yeah. It, was, it was almost on, it was an autopilot day. You knew exactly what you, you were to do. By the end of the day, by I would say the two o'clock, three o'clock hour, your hearing was so keen, like you could hear a conversation that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I remember this one day I was sitting in the cafeteria, I could hear the kitchen, the, 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 cause it was this mask, you could hear the cooks in the back speaking. And what was also fascinating is the next day, 
Some guys would just take it upon themselves to continue their talk fast. These were the super spiritual guys. You would hear like the conversations that would ensue all around you were so foolish. Huh? They were so nothingness. Yeah. Like you'd be so keen to be like, what are they talking about? Because when your words are few, but your ears are on high alert, you realize there is so much nonsense being spoken. And I think until you quiet down, you don't realize how much of that is intake. Yeah. And how much of that then you're a culprit of. Mm-hmm. Like you play into and just your daily chatter yeah. consists of so much nonsense. Yeah, and even while you were sharing that example, I was thinking about how difficult that is for us in our context here at the church. Uh. I don't know if you recall, you know, whenever we do a Easter service or a Good Friday service, it's often brought up in the planning and preparation for those services. Okay, we're going to end the Good Friday one on a reverent note, <laughs> on a somber note, right. and we're going to encourage the congregation. Don't, Keep your talk to a minimum. Please don't talk while you're exiting the yes. sanctuary. Seems like a pretty simple request, and yet every year it seems like that request is made, and then... All right, so what are you guys thinking? I thought that was great. It was interesting that John didn't preach this year. It was Sammy. That was weird. So, but it's just so funny how, how, how tough it is. Where do you to want actually... to go to dinner? You hungry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. To practice that. Yes. So one, lead a quiet life. Two, mind your own business. Now, I take this in, in, in two different ways. One is mind your own business being stay in your own lane. Like there's a proverb that says, he that grabs a dog by the ear is likely to get bit as one that invade, involves themselves in a quarrel that is not theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we all up in every Tom, Dick and Harry's lane casting our opinions or perspectives or, you know, principles or I wouldn't have done it like that or I knew they were just do- commentary, just commentary, just it, drama. It's not. <laughs> your business and then we feel justified in in what we would like our opinion is how we justify our gossip Mm -hmm. like it's not your business so you're only adding kindling to an already uh, fire that many times god wants to put out or that could be a learning lesson for the one that's enduring it or but we feel so self-righteous to be like oh i got an opinion on everything And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be truth speakers, but we should not be truth speakers on matters where our opinion wasn't solicited Mm -hmm. and where our involvement wasn't invited. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. Because here's the problem, and this is the second part. Many times, while we're all up in somebody else's lane, we got our own business that we haven't minded. Meaning, why don't you cultivate your own household? Yeah. Like th- th- this is how I feel. I'm, it is a heavy weight on me to be a pastor, to preach and to speak, and yet be able to do so with a, gr- a degree of authenticity, not duplicity, because I feel a heavy burden to mind my own business before I tell you how to mind yours. Yeah. So if my finances are in disarray, 
because I'm trying to look rich while I'm going broke. Okay, that's not minding my business or buying things that I can't afford to impress people that I don't even know, to get the likes of people that I myself might not even like, that's not minding my own business. If my children are unruly and don't respect me, and they see the duplicity within me, what, what involvement do I have in your business when I've neglected my business? If my marriage is hanging on by a thread, and I'm talking to every other Tom, Dick, and Harry about their marriage, yeah. <laughs> what... What is my right to be out of my lane into yours when I haven't even stewarded my lane? Yeah. So when Paul says, make it your aim to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, what he's saying is you have enough between your own two guardrails that'll require a lifetime of stewarding. If it so happens after you plow your row, and you toil your soil and you seed your own your your own area and you've made sure that hey you're 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 tending to your little first church that be your marriage your finances your household requirements your children your occupation then if you got some excess hey maybe maybe pull into their lane a little bit just to help a broken down motorer after they go like this <laughs> yeah come on over Come on over. But yet we are all up in everybody else's business. And then we're wondered, why aren't we respected? <laughs> Nobody invited you. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the most obvious correlation that I see is when Jesus said, why are you worried about the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own? Like, <laughs> let's focus on like, removing like, this before I... Please don't miss how condescending that was. Like when Jesus said that. Yeah. Like you, you have a lumber yard in your eye, but you're walking around teaching everybody else how to clear their own. Yeah. It's twisted. And I think the church has wrongfully cultivated this permission that we are to police everyone, pull into everyone, and be loud and proud. And then we wonder why our testimony isn't brilliant. It's not bright. Hear me when I say this, because this requires a myriad of disclaimers. We should be truth tellers. We should be able to speak into the darkness and say, this is right and that is wrong. This hurts and that helps. We should do that. But we should never do that at the expense of our own lane. And we should never neglect how often our volume and volume is. I do not have the right to be loud when I'm commanded to be quiet. Mm -hmm. I don't have the right to be in your lane when I've neglected my own. Like the testimony is, this is, this is me having walked with Jesus now for 20 years. I, I am less impressed with talk and much more interested in walk. I want to see your kids. I want to see your workplace and the reputation that you have there. I want to see, I truly believe a wife is a reflection of, of the marriage. I want to see, does, does she like you or does she just, <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see harmony in the home and the kids really look at mom and dad and go, I think the sun rises and sets where they walk. I remember looking at my father. I thought that cat could 
you know, he was fast as a locomotive, could leap tall buildings and catch silver bullets between his teeth. I thought he was my Superman. It wasn't because of what he said. It's yeah. because of the way that he lived his life. And my old man stayed, just so, so we're crystal clear, this he would constantly tell Jack, David, and myself, Sammy, make it your aim to lead a quiet life. Mm. Be quiet, man. Be quiet. Don't talk so much. I could hear him. Mm -hmm. Now, mind your own business. You've got enough to worry about. Don't be all up in everybody else's gate. And then lastly, my father, would, and, he, and he derived it from Pastor Jack Cox, he would always say, you show me a man that works hard in his field. That means whatever his occupation was, and I'll show you a man or woman that will be powerful in the kingdom. But you show me one that does not know how to work hard, I'll show you one that won't amount to anything in the kingdom. Mm. That, print, that simple lifestyle principle was ingrained in me. And I'm not saying that I get it right all the time or that, that it comes easy. What I do say is that it should be my aim. Yeah. It should be the target. Yeah. And I think this whole, this whole culture of quiet quitting, like I'm just going to sit back, I'm going to take the most, I'm going to give the least. That doesn't glorify Jesus. That's working for human masters, and you've justified your own laziness. But when you work as under the Lord, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with excellency. And do it with everything you got. I think at night we should climb into bed, as Matt Chandler calls it, with a holy exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Saying, I left it all on the field. Yeah. That's how I feel when I go down to Florida and I bake all day in the sun. I'll get my lips <laughs> burnt. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Seriously, I think being quiet, minding your own business, and working hard, I think more now than ever, that's the testimony the world's looking for. What are, what are some ways that, aside from like the quiet quitting and the, well, I'm just going to do the, the bare minimum to get by, do you see that manifest in other ways, particularly in the Christian circle? Yeah, well, one of the ways is, is that, you know, Interesting enough, Paul writes at the end of that, he says, and work to earn your own living, hmm. just as we told you before. And then, he and then he continues and says, in this way, you'll win the respect of those who are not believers, and you will not have to depend on anyone. Now, let me just make this disclaimer. There are certain times that we do need our fellow man to help us in our deficit. Hey, we don't have enough resources don't have enough food, don't have enough. You're in between, you're trying to bridge the gap, but you're in between maybe jobs or you've fallen on hard times. We as a church should rally and be the hands and feet of Jesus so as to fill in the void. But when you're able and when you are healthy and you can work, you should work hard so as not to need somebody else to take care of you. That means the government, that means the state, that means special interest where people want to tether. I think what is happening, we are $33 trillion in debt as a nation. Why? Because the government has now made it their position to give you anything and everything for those that lack so as you stay indebted to, to the lender. Mm -hmm. They now are the biggest lending agency on the planet. Why? Because if you are indebted to me, I then control you. Mm. 
-hmm. It's a terrible, terrible thing that we've played into. When it should be that the church should be the greatest lending agency on the planet. We should be taking care of the widows, orphans, sick, and poor. We should be filling in the gaps of those that can't work and that are bedridden. We should be able to take care of children that have absentee fathers. We, out of our benevolence, we should be meeting that need. But yet, we have now been enslaved to the government. Why? Because we like using other people's resources to satisfy our lifestyle. That's a terrible testimony. Terrible. I am not talking about those that are on hard times. I'm talking about those that are capable, willing, able men and women that could go out and work, and yet we're still milking the system. Mm -hmm. And so if you can work, you should work hard. You should work hard. And, and, and if you, you, you don't like working for someone and you feel like I'm not here to make you rich, well, then you go out and you start your own business mm -hmm. and you see how easy it is. Which you will find it ain't easy. You see the, the, the trial that it is to establish a business, get people that are honest, full of integrity to work for you. And so when it comes to working hard, I just believe we have, especially since COVID, we have cultivated an environment that does not value work ethic anymore. Mm -hmm. And work ethic is central to the testimony of a Jesus follower. Mm. It's not secondary or tertiary. It is central. If you follow Jesus, you should be the hardest worker at your company. Mm -hmm. And you should let that speak for itself. Preach less, work more. Mm. Because words, it's too much noise. People, I, I, I knew a guy recently that actually got fired because he was let go. Actually, it wasn't recently. This, was, this is going to be a few years ago. He was let go because he was steady. He would make it his aim to everyone in his workplace to go around and witness to them hmm. and pray with them yeah. and encourage them. And he told me with such assurance, he said, yeah, I lost my job for doing. He goes, I was persecuted for the, for the name of Christ. I said, tell me about it. He told me all about it. I said, no, 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 no. Please don't get it twisted, brother. You were hired. They did not hire you as their personal witness. Yeah. They didn't need a pastor. What they needed was somebody that could work the, the machines. You neglected your job description to do what you wanted to. And then you tried to drape Jesus over it, tried to Jesus juke him and be like, this is what I'm called to do. Yeah. That is such a misappropriation of scripture. What we're called to do is work hard as under the Lord. And by conduct and ethic, people will see our good testimony and glorify yeah. our Father in heaven. This is why Jesus said, but he thought, no, I'll, misplay, I'll, I'll replace that with talk. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. <laughs> well, they, he sent that cat packing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And out the door he went <laughs> with, his, with his witness. Yeah. That's not, that's not what we're called to do. That's real talk. Quote Lamar Jackson, nobody cares, work harder. Uh. On, Always got to get a Lamar quote in there. Got to. No, it's interesting. I was talking with um, a close friend recently just about what does it look like to be a Christian in the workplace, and those are the things that came up mm. of, well, you probably work really hard as unto the Lord. Well, you're probably someone who maintains good relationships with your peers. Well, you're someone who, who probably leaves it all, you know, on the field, right you know, on the field. So obviously sharing your faith is an aspect and nobody wants to undermine evangelism. Yeah. It's needed, but 
to say, what, what does it actually look like? Let's yeah. get practical. You know, um, I think work ethic is a very compelling aspect yes. of that. Um, as we wrap up here, you, you alluded to the fact that this might be a, uh, a work in the future. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I, I love all the content. I, you'll obviously delve into each of those aspects sure. more in detail, but I'm curious what, what kind of the overarching theme or message, like where, where that burden, because on the front end of this episode, we said some of these things, some of our topics for this podcast just come from a burden. Yeah. So what's, what's the specific <clears throat> burden that leads to that three-pronged message? Yeah, it's a great question. And I would answer that by saying this. You've heard me say before that Christianity, following Jesus, I believe is a faith that results in addition through subtraction. Meaning, when Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, those that are burdened and weary, those that are heavy laden and anxious, and he said, take my yoke upon you, really, that was a means of subtraction. I want to take off of you what religion has put on you. Sometimes I think that in a noise-ridden culture, that what happens is, is that we feel this unsettledness within us that we need to do more in order to be more influential, more impactful, more, more usable. I, I believe it's the opposite. I, believe it's the, I do believe that we need boldness. I do believe that we should be sharing our faith. I do believe that we should be ambassadors. But what I believe is, is that what Paul commended the church at Thessalonica to do was, again, addition through subtraction. That I believe your soul, my soul, your soul, our souls find rest when we realize living a quiet life minding our own business and working not under human masters but under the lord it satisfies something in us that we really intrinsically crave at the same time our testimony shines brighter mm -hmm. by doing those things yeah and so i want to just say it with this tone i want i want to say it with this tone as as we wrap up because obviously you could hear in my tone I got a lot of angst behind this word <laughs> because I think that we've, we've, we've greatly distorted our testimony and that grieves me hmm. that we've talked too much. I just feel like people talk too much and I'm a talker. Too many podcasts out there. <laughs> too much competition. <laughs> I know. And at times, I, even I feel like, am I talking too much? I get it. I, I tell you, I, this isn't a measuring rod that I, I get to apply and not self-reflect with but i i want one to just hear imagine imagine if you were able to stop the sort of hamster wheel of life and imagine what it would be for you to lead a quiet life mm. to just worry about your own business mm -hmm. and work is under the lord imagine how refreshing that would be to your soul yeah 
despite what the world around us tells us. Be loud, involve yourself with everyone and anyone's affairs, and do the least and expect the most. That is truly depressing. It's a terrible way to live. And so consider the former and imagine what that would look like in your life. And I guarantee you, you're going to be far happier and Jesus is going to be more glorified. Yeah. And there's something really encouraging and refreshing to just reflect and ponder on. If I stay in my lane, Mm. if I work really hard in that lane, and if I just keep quiet to a degree, Yeah, he's going to maximize my efforts. He's going to shine through me. I don't need to manufacture anything or conjure anything or swerve in and out of lanes and well yell said. while I'm yeah. manically driving. Yes. And it, it, it's just very freeing yeah. for, me, for me personally. So Amen. I certainly look forward to that book. <laughs> Coming out this fall and <laughs> wherever books are... How do they say it back? Whatever, wherever books are sold. Yeah, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> this is just going to be yeah. here at the church. In the lobby. <laughs> In the foyer. Yeah. Very good. Well, yeah. thanks for letting me rant, friend. No, it was I a very, it was a very helpful rant. And I certainly hope that our, our listeners enjoyed it as well and take heed to it. Because yes. uh, I think that there's a lot of fruit to that. And it's countercultural. It's difficult. Yes, as we talked about, it is difficult. And we don't want to undermine Amen. that it is difficult. Um, but if you are listening, I want to thank you for following us as well. Thank mm. you for following us on both Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a review if you'd be so kind. Yes. Uh, five stars, preferably. Mm-hmm. But of and course, nothing less than four. <laughs> yeah, the four is where we draw. <laughs> and then we just get an influx of threes, <laughs> twos, and ones. Um, <laughs> But go ahead, follow us on uh, Instagram as well, at Simplexity Podcast. We're on Facebook also. Don't forget that. Uh, and we certainly appreciate you we guys. got an email. Oh, email. Yep, yep. we got an email list that should be in the description of the episode. Thanks for catching me there. Love you guys. Oh.